Section 8 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 8. A Visit to General Marion, 1781, by Charles Carleton Coffin. General Marion was north of Charleston, not far from the Santee River, when a British officer came with a flag of truce to see him about exchanging prisoners, and was taken into the camp blindfolded. The officer had heard much about Marion, and instead of finding, as he had expected, a man of noble presence in an elegant uniform, he saw a small, thin man in homespun clothes. Around were Marion's soldiers, some of them almost naked, some in British uniforms which they had captured, a motley set with all kinds of weapons, large muskets, rifles, shotguns, swords made by country blacksmiths from millsaws. The business upon which the officer had come was soon settled. Shall I have the honor of your company to dinner? said Marion. The officer saw no preparation for dinner. A fire was burning, but there were no camp kettles, no Dutch ovens, no cooking utensils. Give us our dinner, Tom, said Marion to one of his men. Tom was the cook. He dug open the fire with a stick and poked out a fine mess of sweet potatoes. He pricked the large ones to see if they were done, blew the ashes from them, wiped them on his shirt sleeve, placed the best ones on a piece of bark, and laid them on the log between Marion and the officer. I fear our dinner will not prove so palatable to you as I could wish, but it is the best we have, said Marion. The British officer was a gentleman, and ate of the potatoes, but soon began to laugh. I was thinking, he said, what some of my brother officers would say if our government were to give such a bill of fare as this. I suppose this is only an accidental dinner. Not so, for often we don't get even this. Though stinted in provisions, you of course draw double pay. Not a cent, sir. We don't have any pay. We are fighting for our liberty. The officer was astonished. They had a long and friendly talk, and the officer, bidding Marion goodbye, went back to Georgetown. Colonel Watson was in command of the British there. What makes you look so serious? Colonel Watson asked. I have cause to look serious, the officer replied. Has Marion refused to treat? No, sir, but I have seen an American general and his officers, without pay, almost without clothes, living on roots and drinking water, and all for liberty. What chance have we against such men? The officer was so impressed by what he had seen that he could fight no more but disposed of his commission and returned to England. General Green sent Marion and Lee south to get between the British and Charleston and cut off their supplies. They marched to Fort Watson, a strong fortification on the east bank of the Santee River, about fifty miles north of Charleston. It was built of logs, stood on a hill, and was garrisoned by one hundred and twenty men commanded by Lieutenant McKay. They sent him a message to surrender, but he was a brave officer, and informed them that he intended to defend the fort. He knew that Lord Rawdon would soon be there to aid him with several hundred men. Marion and Lee knew that Lord Rawdon was on the march, and they resolved to capture the fort before he arrived. They saw that there was no well in the fort, and that the garrison had to come out and creep down to the river to obtain water. The riflemen soon stopped that. Then Mackay set his men at work digging a well, and carried it down to the level of the lake and had a good supply of water. Lee and Marion knew that there was a large amount of supplies inside the fort. 
for besides what was inside there were boxes and barrels outside some of the militia tried to creep up and get a barrel but the garrison killed one and wounded another a brave negro named billy with marion looked at the supplies saw that one of the hogsheads was only a few feet from the edge of the bluff and resolved to try what he could do he crept very near without being seen then before the british could fire upon him he was crouched behind the hogshead the ground was a declivity and soon the british soldiers saw that the hogshead was in motion they fired at it but they could only see some black fingers clasping the chims and in a few minutes the hogshead disappeared down the hill billy obtained an axe broke open the hogshead and found that he had captured one hundred and fifty shirts one hundred knapsacks fifty blankets and six cloaks he distributed them to the soldiers many of whom had no shirts marion named the negro captain billy and everyone treated the brave fellow with great respect rawdon was close at hand marion and lee could see the light of his campfires on the hills in the west whatever was done must be done quickly but what could they do they had no cannon and even if they had they could not batter down the fort but a brighter thought came to colonel mahan to build a tower which would overlook the fortification as soon as night came all the axes in the camp were in use the british could hear the choppers and wondered what was going on but they were astonished in the morning when they saw a tower higher than the fort and a swarm of men on the top firing through loopholes and picking off with their rifles every man who showed his head above the parapet lord rawdon had not come and lieutenant mackay saw that he would soon lose all his men and that he must surrender before noon the americans were in possession of the fort and all its supplies end of section eight this recording is in the public domain recording by colleen mcmahon